0: Calvinism and uh you know I put his picture up there I found that slide and I thought man if anything would convince somebody not to be a Calvinist (laughs) you know just just look at the guy I mean I don't want what he's selling whatever (laughs) whatever it is so anyway uh, let me say this in, in all in all seriousness um you say, this would be a legitimate question. Can I be a Calvinist and be a part of my Baptist church? Yes. Yeah, you, you can be. Now, what you can't be, though, is contentious about it. Okay? I mean, good people disagree on this particular topic. I am not a Calvinist, and as long as I'm pastor, we will be labeled as a non-Calvinist church. But if somebody is a Calvinist and it's sincerely held, and, you know, they believe it and they're not contentious about it, we can, get along just, we can get along just fine, but if somebody's going to ask me my opinions, I'm not going to waffle, you know, I'm, gonna t- I'm, I'm not a Calvinist, and we're giving you the reasons why. Calvinism is usually divided up in the five major points using the acronym TULIP, and we looked at the first one this morning, T, which stands for total depravity. And we explained that one and why we don't believe in it. And now we're ready to look at the second one. And we'll go through these quickly. We'll get you out of here real soon. Number two is unconditional election. What does Calvin mean in those that believe it? What does that mean, unconditional election? By unconditional election, Calvin meant that God has already decided who will be saved and who will be lost. And the individual has nothing to do with it. He can only hope that God has elected him for heaven and not for hell. And Calvin really believed that. Here is a quote from Calvin. He said, and I quote, this is John Calvin, Not all men are created with similar destiny, but eternal life is foreordained for some, and eternal damnation for others. Every man therefore being created for one or the other of these ends, we say." He is predestined either to life or to death. Predestined. I mean, you were born going in one direction or the other. You say, do Calvinists really believe that? I just quoted him. That's exactly what they believe. So, these quotes. Calvinism teaches that it's God's own choice that some people are to be damned forever. He never intended to save them. He foreordained them to go to hell. And when he offers salvation in the Bible, he does not offer it to those who were foreordained to be damned. It is offered only to those who were foreordained to be saved. Now, at the same time, we believe, I believe, that the Bible does teach that God has a foreknowledge. I agree with that. I, I, I agree that the, the word predestined is, is there in the Bible, I understand that. It talks about the elect. But you've got to understand the context and you've got to, you've got to define obscure passages by those that are very clear. That's one of the main um, points of, of, of proper biblical interpretation. You don't take an obscure passage or an obscure verse or several obscure verses and build a doctrine on it. No, you have to interpret them in light of clearly stated statements. So, most knowledgeable Christians understand and agree that God has a controlling hand in the affairs of men. We understand, we agree, according to the Scripture, He can select individuals like Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or David as, as instruments to do certain things. I'm not arguing with that. We agree that, that God can choose a, a nation, particularly, you know, like, like He chose Israel. He can do that. We understand God in His foreknowledge knows who will trust Christ as His Savior. But understand this the doctrine that God elected some men to hell, that some men were born to be damned by God's own choice, is not taught in Scripture. It simply isn't taught. People can read a passage and say that it is implied. But I don't see it that way. I respectfully disagree. Nowhere does the Bible teach that God is going to send some people to heaven and others will go to hell. The Bible teaches that God would have that all men be saved. From some few obscure passages, you might be able to imply what you think God means by predestination or the elect. But from from clear passages you can know that salvation is for all. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish. Now, is that clear? I mean I don't need a Ph.D. from a seminary to tell me what that means. I can figure it out for myself. My grandma with her Bible on her lap in her rocking chair, she can figure that out. You've got to have some Ph.D. explain to her, though, where Calvinism comes in. Because it is not clearly evident. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. And by predestination and elect, I think it simply means that God just knows. I mean, we have a choice, but he knows what our choice is going to be. There's nothing he doesn't know, right? But let's not confuse that with the fact that he's saying, no, I have selected some, and if you're not selected, too bad. 1 Timothy 2.3 For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth who will have all men to be saved. And Romans ten thirteen, quoted it this morning. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not going to take those clear Bible truths and let those truths be muddied by, with all due respect, an obscure passage or two. Nothing can be plainer. The man who goes to heaven goes because he comes to Jesus Christ and trusts him as his Savior. And the man who goes to hell does so because he refuses to come to Christ and refuses to accept him as his Savior. Not only is that biblical, but that just makes sense. That's just fair. That's just that's just right. So that's what it's talking about there when we're talking about unconditional election. So we had total depravity, we have unconditional election, and then number three, we have limited atonement. I mean, they really believe this. That what Jesus did on the cross was limited to certain people. By limited atonement, Calvin meant that Christ died only for the elect, for those he planned and ordained to go to heaven. He did not die for those he planned and ordained to go to hell. But, Scripture states otherwise. First John 2, two. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for our and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. Calvinists to be consistent would say, yes, he died, but his death was only for those that he ordained to be saved. It's like he wouldn't waste his death on those who wouldn't get saved. 1 Timothy 2, five. for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And then John 4.42, I'm just making my case from scripture. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying For we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. No man will ever look at Jesus Christ and say, you didn't want to be my Savior. Jesus wants everybody to be saved. A loving Savior has a heart for everybody. The Bible teaches clearly that Christ bore the sins of all people. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity for us all. That's clear. Statement after statement. That by the grace of God, no man should taste of death. Who gave himself a ransom for all. Delivered him up for us all some people argue that if jesus died for the whole world the whole world would be saved i mean that's how they think you know they 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 think that way no the The death of Jesus Christ was sufficient for the whole world, but is only efficient to those who actually believe. I mean, he died for the whole world, but it is going to be applied and given to those who accept it. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross made it possible for every man everywhere to be saved, but only those who believe that he died to pay for their sin debt would trust him complete uh, and would trust him completely. Those are the ones that indeed will be saved. I like this quote. Everybody is potentially saved. Everybody has the potential to be saved. But everybody is not actually saved until he recognizes that he is a sinner, believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for the sin debt, and trusts him completely for salvation. It's as simple as that. Again, if I could quote from Dave Hunt, who wrote a great book on this topic. He says this, and I'm quoting from Dave Hunt. The Calvinist has has boldly changed world to mean elect in no fewer than 20 scriptures. He has changed whosoever and all into elect at least 16 times each. In addition, the phrase every man has been turned into elect six times and everyone into elect three times. In every instance where these changes have been made, there is nothing in the text to justify elect as the meaning of the word for which it must be substituted. The change has been made for one reason only, and that is to accommodate Calvinism. So again, according to Scripture, unconditional election. There are serious problems with that idea. Limited atonement. There are serious problems with that idea. And in the fourth, in our TULIP acronym, is irresistible grace. There is the I. What do they mean by irresistible grace? By irresistible grace, John Calvin meant that God simply forces people to be saved. He just proclaims them saved. God elected some to be saved, and he let Jesus die for that elect group, and now by irresistible grace, he Forces those he elected and those Jesus Christ died for to be saved. But when you go to Scripture, you simply don't even find that terminology. The terminology, irresistible grace. In fact, nowhere in Scripture, and check it for yourself, does the word irresistible appear before the word grace. That terminology comes from man's imagination. It's not in the Bible. Calvinism teaches that man has no part in salvation, cannot possibly cooperate with God in the matter, and no sense of the word and at no stage of the work does salvation depend upon the will or work of man or wait for the determination of his will. But the Scriptures teach that man can resist God. The Scriptures teach that man can reject God. Some samples. Proverbs 29, one. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Proverbs one twenty four. Because I have called and ye refused. You refuse. And that makes sense. It's on you. You had the opportunity to be saved. You choose not to. It is justifiable that you're going to pay the consequences. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. Again, this is talking about man's free will. It's talking about his personal responsibility. And in John five thirty nine, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me. That ye might have life. Ye will not come. It's not that you cannot come, or I made it impossible for you to come. He says, by your choice ye will not come to me. God doesn't force men, God offers salvation to all men. Titus 1:11 says, For the wages, or excuse me, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. But man must make the choice. He must either then receive it or reject it. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. To who? To those that received him. It's a choice you make. And again, we read this one this morning. When Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Matthew 23.37 O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Not, could not. If it's going to be accurate, he would have said, I wept over you because you could not. No, because you would not. Definite the idea that they had a choice and chose not to. This quote, those who have rejected Christ could could have accepted him. God offers salvation to those who will have it, but does not force it upon anyone who doesn't want it. So in the acronym TULIP, we come to the last letter, which is P, which is perseverance of the saints. And I said, if there is one point of the five-point Calvinist, where we could be in much better agreement. It is on this point, perseverance of the saints, the man who has trusted Jesus Christ, we believe, and if the Calvinists believe it, then we believe it along with him, cannot lose, will not lose his salvation if he is truly saved. We believe in eternal security. We preached on it last week in both the morning and the afternoon service. And just a couple verses to refresh our, our memory here. First Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to to be revealed in the last time. And then Ephesians 1, verse number 13 in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with a Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That sealing is the earnest, it says, of our inheritance. It's, it's the down payment. It holds you, it secures you, it gives you security until the Lord Jesus himself, you are with him. So, as we conclude, Calvinists, I've listened to their best arguments. Sincerely listen, with an open heart and an open mind. I've listened to John MacArthur give his best shot. And was totally unfazed by any reasoning, any argument, or any any scripture he attempted to make say that it was teaching Calvinism. Now, how they can believe that is beyond me. I, I really don't. I really don't understand it. These are good men. These are well-meaning men. These are men I believe love the Lord. How they can go down that path? That's one of the great mysteries that I have pondered for. Years and, and and don't understand it, but I believe that a simple reading of Scripture in a very simple trusting way, an average person is not going to come up with Calvinism. And I fully understand the 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 uh, the tension between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. That's one of the great mysteries of of, of our faith. And we just trust God that he knows what best. I believe in God's sovereignty. I believe in his foreknowledge. I know the Bible will use terms like predestined. I know it will use terms like elect. But I don't think the use of those terms is nearly as clear as the terms for whosoever will. I just think if you're going to look at the balance and you've got to decide one or the other, I just believe the balance tilts towards the side of the fact that Anybody can be saved, and I don't think it tilts to the side that God has chosen some in this room, and some has got and, cho- and not chosen others in this room. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, I, I just don't. I think of God as a loving God, and a loving God would give you a free will, and a loving God would not force you to choose Him, but would allow you to choose otherwise. But He has warned you through His Word. Be careful in your choice. He's warned you. Be careful in your choice because your choice is going to have eternal uh, consequences. That just makes sense to me. It it, it doesn't make sense to me that God could preordain who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost and then give us any accountability there or any responsibility there. And it would cause me to question even the love of God, which I don't. But if I believe that, I would be forced to Not fully understand how can God love everybody if you're just born going to hell and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Which is clearly what the hardcore Calvinists teach. But at the same time, I want us to be a mature church about this topic. I don't want this to be divisive. Like I say, I can respect someone who loves the Lord, loves the Word, You know, and and I know many Calvinists that are evangelistic. Now, to me, I'm thinking, well, if it's a done deal, why waste your time, money, and effort? That's just me. That's just simple me. I mean, if it's a done deal, you know, get on to other things, and you don't even have to worry about that. But there are guys that are Calvin, they'll tell you they're Calvinistic, and they believe in missions, they believe in, you know, soul winning and all that, I don't understand that. You know, it's a done deal. Why do you have to do that? And they try to explain, it. I say, you know, I'm just, not, I'm just not following it. But when you believe like we believe, then you are highly motivated to witness. You're highly motivated to support missions. You're highly motivated to want to share the gospel, pass out tracts, invite people to our, our Easter program. More about that next week. Uh, you know, it, it just makes sense to me. But at the same time, understand this that Calvinism is complex. Like I said earlier this morning, some people are five points, some are four, three, two, one, whatever it might be. And I just, you know, if you can have an open and an uh, honest and informed discussion with a, with a friend about Calvinism, fine. But I would say we're better just to be concerned about doing what the Bible says preach the gospel to I just take that at face value. Just take it at face value. Again, Calvinism can be complex, it can be daunting, it can be challenging. Because it comes in so many different forms and variations, and some people, and and, and something else. So I was telling somebody at lunch today that um, there are some Calvinists that kind of wear it on their chest, you know, and you know, and that everything they see, everything in terms of Calvinism. And there are other Calvinists that they're Calvinists, but you know it's not a major issue for them. They they don't they're they're not going to argue about it. They just believe it and they don't they may not understand it. That's just where they are. Let us at Myo Baptist Church just be when it's all said and done be committed to this. Let us be committed to this. And can you be a Calvinist and be a part of this church sure, but but don't be contentious. Don't be don't be trying to stir up anything. If you just want to have a sincerely held belief that maybe is a little bit different than mine in some areas, I love you. You know, we can get along. But if somebody's, you know, when I say don't be contentious about this, let me clarify that. You're going to be a part of this church? Don't be contentious about anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you've got a problem, come to me. We'll talk about it. But we don't need to be ugly. We don't need to be contentious. Nobody is. And I don't anticipate that anybody will be. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.